0: Well, it's great to have so many of you here tonight, and also welcome to those of you joining us online on this Good Friday service. You may have noticed a theme coming through the songs. There were three things that were repeated a few times. One was there was a lot of talk about blood. Did you notice that? In fact, you might have even noticed that the background (laughs) is like that too. And I remember once when I was a young Christian, when I first came to faith in Christ and I was just learning about what the Bible teaches and who God really is, I remember somebody saying to me, uh, when I mentioned about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and shedding His blood, they were absolutely disgusted by the notion and referred to it as butcher shop religion. Blood and Guts Religion. And I, I remember at the time I couldn't understand why they found it so horrific and I found the same thing so beautiful and life-changing. But there was another couple of things that we sang about. It wasn't just about blood. We also sang a lot about Jesus being a lamb. And that's what I'm gonna talk about tonight. And we also sang, a few of these songs mentioned that he shed his blood for wretches like us. And as we were singing that, I remembered another thing that happened in my life before I became a Christian. It was when I was a kid, I joined this boys club that, was, that existed in the town, and it met in a local church hall. And so because of that, at Easter and Christmas, The church always invited the boys club to be part of the service. And one year we were going to sing the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And some of the mothers of the boys in the boys club objected to the church that it was disgraceful for us to refer to ourselves as wretches. And those two thoughts before I became a Christian, I listened to it. I listened to these non Christian mothers of non-Christian boys who happened to be part of a boys' club that met in a church hall. They didn't under they thought it was demeaning for us to refer to ourselves as wretches. And this other guy, once I became a Christian, thought it was distasteful that Jesus had to die and shed his blood for us and for our salvation. Well, those two things go to, if you do not know that you are lost, then you will never know that you need to be found. If you do not know you've got a terminal illness, you will never go to a specialist to be cured of it. And the reason so many hymns and worship songs refer to us as wretches is because compared to the purity and holiness and beauty of God, we, ladies and gentlemen, are wretches compared to the glory of an infinite God. We are not only wretches, we are sinners, we are lost, and we are helplessly lost and hopelessly lost and have no ability to save ourselves, therefore, we need a Savior to save us, and that Savior was Jesus, and He came, as we've sang about it tonight, as the Lamb, the Lamb of God. So what does that mean? Well, this Good Friday, I want to talk about the last supper that Jesus had with His disciples, and I want to just, for a few minutes, go before that, hundreds of years before that, to the original S- supper, which was called the Passover. We have a verse. It was read during the during the worship. If you could just put it up again, the next verse, it says, Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate, not let us complain. Well, I, I don't want to be called a, a wretch. I don't like blood and guts. No, this was something to celebrate because when you understand it, you realize that God, who didn't need to do anything and didn't owe you anything, came anyway on a rescue mission, prepared to become human, to become one of us, prepared to become a flesh and blood and bone and guts, human being, and live amongst us and was to prepare to allow himself to be abused by us, his own creation, and crucified and put to death, but through that act of human violence, an act of divine salvation would take place. Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of sin and selfishness, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. I would like to just take a couple of minutes and tell you the story of the Passover festival. The Passover festival Many hundreds of years before Jesus came, God's people, the people who had a special covenant with God, a special relationship with God, the people of Israel, found themselves in a foreign land in Egypt as slaves. And for, they were in Egypt for over 400 years, and for about half of that, they were slaves in Egypt And so here were God's people living as slaves, living a life in chains and in captivity, being ruled over by a harsh taskmaster called Pharaoh who would not let them go. And yet God raised up a man called Moses to be their deliverer. And God spoke to Moses and gave him a message for the Pharaoh and for the people of Israel. And Pharaoh wouldn't listen to the message, but the people of Israel listened to what Moses told them God had said. And Moses said to them, tomorrow night, God is going to set you free. He is going to set you free from the harsh taskmaster, Pharaoh. And he's gonna set you free from the chains of slavery that you've lived in your entire life. And he's gonna lead you out of this place. And he's gonna take you to a new place, to a promised land. A place that is blessed and prosperous, flowing with milk and honey. A place where you can settle down and bring up your families in peace. But you must listen carefully to my instructions. And then Moses gave them the instructions of what was going to happen that night, the very first Passover. And he said, every family is to take a lamb, and they have to slaughter the lamb. They're going to, that's going to be their meal tonight. They're going to roast the lamb, and they're going to stay inside in the house with the door shut, and they're going to have a meal together late at night to give them strength so they can leave the next morning. But before they do that, they have to take the blood of the lamb and they have to go to the doorposts of their house and they were to paint it on both doorposts and on the overhead part as well. And then they were to shut the door behind them and have their meal And then Moses said, for tonight, the firstborn son of every household in Egypt is going to die. But when the Lord sees the blood on you applied to your doors, we just sang it, that the blood of Jesus has been applied to our hearts. This is where it comes from. When When the Lord sees the blood applied to to your doorposts, He will pass over your house and you shall be saved. And so all that happened and the people of Israel left Egypt the next day and they crossed the Red Sea and they wandered in the wilderness and they arrived at the Promised Land. And hundreds of years later, they were in the Promised Land awaiting the fulfillment of all of their prophecies. For hundreds of years, prophecies had been coming about how God was going to send a savior and that savior would rescue us from our sins. And even all the festivals they had, including the feast of Passover, it was a prophecy. It was something that happened in their past when they painted the blood of the lamb On their door, and they were delivered from slavery, from Pharaoh, and brought into the promised land. It was also a prophecy about the day coming when their Savior would come and he would deliver his people, not from Pharaoh, but from the devil. It's not Pharaoh who holds us in captive, we are held captive in chains of our own sins and selfishness. But God would redeem us. He would forgive us, he would break off our chains, he would defeat the one holding us captive, and he would lead us into the promised land of his kingdom, his family, and his community. And so, hundreds and hundreds of years after that first Passover, where year after year after year, the people of Israel would celebrate the Passover and they would remember what had happened in the past, but they would also know that it was a prophecy about a coming Savior. And when they had that Passover meal together, they all had a cup to drink wine out of, but they actually always kept one cup upside down on the table in case that was the night the Savior arrived. And maybe he would arrive at their house and there would be a cup for him. Every year they enacted the prophecy that the blood of the Lamb applied to the doorposts of their house set them free from the chains that they were in and the slave master that they were under, and they were passed over for judgment for their own sins and their own condition and that one day a Savior would come who would set us all free from the devil who has held the world in darkness and in despair and would break the chains of our own sins and our own selfishness and lead us into a new life. Then, one night on that first Good Friday, Jesus and his disciples were sitting together to celebrate the Passover, and this is what we call the Last Supper. It was the Last Supper that Jesus had with His disciples before He died on the cross, but it's really important to understand it happened at Passover time, when everyone in Jerusalem were eating their Passover meals and recounting the story Jesus then revealed to His disciples the true meaning of the Passover, that He was the Lamb. He was the Lamb of God, that He would be sacrificed and slain just like the Passover Lamb was slain, that His blood would be poured out on the cross just like the Passover Lamb's blood was poured out on the altar. And that all who believe and put their faith in Him, all who trust in Him and receive Christ into their life, receive the Lamb of God into their life, just like at the Passover meal, you receive the meat of the lamb into your physical life. All who would receive Christ, the blood that He shed would be applied to their life so that their sins would be forgiven and that their chains would be broken and they could be brought out of darkness and into the wonderful light of the kingdom of God. And you know, many times in the Bible, it refers to Jesus as that lamb. When John the Baptist first saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized, he pointed at him and said, behold, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And even in the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it says this, one of the elders said to me, weep no more, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. You know, one of the symbols of Jesus is a lion, the lion of Judah he is known as, and in fact, I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and the lion Aslan, of course, symbolizes Jesus, the lion of Judah. But we think of a lion as being mighty and powerful and with a big roar, but if you know the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, the lion allowed himself to be put to death by the evil witch and all her demons why to atone for the sins of one of the children of adam and so he says the lion of Ju- the lion so he turns around expecting to see a mighty roaring lion but look what the lion looked like the lion of judah the root of david has conquered and i looked and saw A lamb, I looked and saw a lamb, standing as though it had been slain. It was standing because it was risen from the dead, but it looked like it had been slain, it had wounds. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. You know, one of the really important things that we must get about Good Friday and about Easter is none of it was a mistake. It wasn't like Jesus didn't come to this world to be a popular teacher, but somebody took umbrage at him and killed him. And oh, that was a shame, you know, but he came back to life. So it was okay. No, 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 that's not the story. The story is before the creation of the world as God pondered the creation of our universe and how he would create humans in his image, male and female, he would create them in the image and likeness of God, humans with free will who could choose to love him or could choose to turn away from him he knew that they would turn away from him but before the world was created he set up the rescue plan it wasn't like he thought oh my goodness they've all sinned what am i going to do now i better send jesus oh my goodness they've killed him what am i going it was nothing like that before the creation of the world god had made the decision That one day at the appointed time, he would be born as a baby. He would become one of us. He would live amongst us in this dangerous world. He would teach about the love of God and he would be rejected he would be abused he would be put to death but through that he would pay the price for the sins of the world and everyone who believes in him would be saved and then on the third day he would rise from the dead as the savior with the power to save you know the communion that christians take and we're going to do it tonight we take the bread and the wine we get that from the last supper where jesus as he was taking the passover with his disciples together took bread and wine and uh, and the and the the last supper communion comes from the last supper and the last supper comes from the passover this theme continues on that God would provide a lamb, a lamb who would be slain, whose blood, when applied by faith to our lives, when we believe in him, would atone for all our sins, would cleanse our consciences, and would lead us out of darkness and into light. And that lamb is not an animal but it was a man called Jesus. And that man was not just a man like every other one, but he was God who became one of us. And after Jesus rose from the dead, you know, he he had that feast with his disciples. He was put to death. And after he rose from the dead, people went to his tomb and he was gone. Quite a number of people had Encounters with the living Christ. Over 500 eyewitnesses saw him, but there's one really interesting story about two of his followers. And one day they're on this, they're walking down this road just a few days after Jesus had died. They're walking down this road and they're really, they're really discouraged. I mean, a moment ago I said, God wasn't taken by surprise. He didn't say, oh my goodness of sin, now what will I do? I'll send Jesus, oh my goodness, I've killed him, now what will I do? And some people laughed, but you know, back then they thought that was what had happened. Two of Jesus' disciples are walking down the road and they're really depressed because we thought Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's dead and he's been buried and we don't know what to think anymore. And the Bible says as they were talking, Jesus himself drew near and began walking with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I don't know whether they couldn't miraculously couldn't recognize him. He had a hood up, I don't know what, but they were not able to recognize him. And he said to them, what are you guys talking about? And they said, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. We had really hoped that he was the Savior, and, but now he's died. He, our, our chief priests put him to death. And now we don't know what to think. And a couple of, of women, who are, the women who are part of our group, they came up this morning and started saying that the, he was risen from the dead, but we've not seen him. We don't know anything about it. And then look what happens. Look what the Bible says. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, the guy that was in charge of the Passover. Through the writings of Moses, And all the prophets that came after him for hundreds of years, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Passover and the lamb and its bloodshed and everything else in the Bible before Jesus came were all prophecies that were pointing to the main event when Jesus would come. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, now look at this, he took the bread and blessed it. You know, people wore long sleeves in those days because of the, in that area because of the sun and you didn't want to get your hands sunburnt. We don't know exactly what happened, but it's quite possible as Jesus took the bread and his sleeves went up, they saw the wounds on his wrists. Whatever it was, as he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to? All of a sudden, their religious tradition that they had been brought up with their whole life, and they thought it was just, we do this ritual then, and we do that festival then. And there are many people like that today. Maybe you're here at church today because it's a religious ritual. I always go to church on Good Friday. Maybe you go on Good Friday and Easter and Christmas and weddings and funerals, and that's like about it. And you think, well, I'm a Christian, I attend church. That's, that's what these guys were like. All of a sudden, their religious rituals which were dead and kind of boring before, came alive. They understood the true meaning of them and their hearts came alive. And so, as he spoke to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us, so that is what we are going to do now. We are going to take communion together. We are going to take the... Uh, the bread and the wine. If you have a, ta- if you are on a row with a table in front of you, then um, you should have communion stuff there. If you're on a front row that doesn't have a table, it should be at the end. I, I would like you just to take them out just now and get prepared before we read the scriptures and pray. You might want to just peel the top one off, the top level off, so that the wafers available. You can leave the bottom one on. So once once you've got them ready, I know they're tricky, especially when it's dark. I'm gonna tell you, don't pull the tab, work on it from the sides. Okay. You pull the tab, you'll get, you'll pull both tabs. And once you're ready, if you just hold your wafer and your cup. You'll see on the screen bread and wine. Although one of the interesting things is in our picture here, that's bread with yeast in it. The kind of bread most of us in the Western world eat. But in the verse that we read, it said, let us celebrate the festival without the yeast of sin and selfishness. They deliberately made flatbread, unleavened bread, bread without yeast for this festival. Because yeast has a life of its own. When you put it into a batch of dough, it just starts working through it. Have you ever noticed that sin has a life of its own? When you allow a little bit into your life, it just starts working through. And before you know it, you've been taken down a path you never intended to go down. But God wants to break those chains today. He wants to cleanse us and he wants to deliver us from slavery to whatever addiction or condition or problem or sin is holding you bound, those chains can break in the name of Jesus. This world is like living in Egypt as slaves. But God has sent a deliverer to break our chains and to set us free and to lead us into the promised land. And so I want to encourage you to take your wafer, the bread, hold it in your hand, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you just repeat after me, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's say this together. Father God, I thank you for your love. You didn't leave me alone, but you came for me to save me to free me, to redeem me. Through Jesus' death on the cross, my life is restored. Thank you for the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take the wafer together. If you take the cup, you peel off your top part. again let's close our eyes again and open our hearts to the presence of God and let's say together Father God thank you for the blood the blood of Jesus Christ poured out freely for the remission of sins may my soul be washed and cleansed by the power of Jesus' blood I pray in his name. Amen. Let's drink the cup together. When you've done that, let's stand together. Let's look at this verse again one last time. 1 Corinthians 5. Let's read the verse out together, shall we? Let's go. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of sin and selfishness, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Lord, I pray that as we worship you and bring this service to a close tonight, may your Holy Spirit wash over us May we be revived, may we be renewed, may we be made again into the people you've called us to be, and may we be filled with your holy presence, your Holy Spirit, and with your power to fully live the life you've called us to live, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.